Greetings, everyone. I'm your host and executive director of the American Institute of Stress, Will Heckman. I want to thank you all for joining us today and hopefully for all our future podcasts. These podcasts focus on stress and stress-related issues, and I want to remind everybody, don't forget to follow us and send in those reviews. Because of the COVID-19 virus, we are all making a lot of changes in our daily lives. All of these changes can cause a much higher level of stress, not the least of which is how we are now doing our jobs. Many people are going through the transition of now working from home, something that they never had to do before or even considered. Now, even in a normal situation, a change like that would cause people to be very stressed. But when we're added to everything else that's going on, it can seem overwhelming. My wife is a teacher, and many teachers are experiencing the same thing she is. Schools are closed, but education, it has to go on. It hasn't stopped. And she's had to make a lot of major changes in the way she prepares for her classes and the way she delivers her lessons. Teachers, as well as many other people, have had to learn new skills and a lot of new technology. So many people are going through similar changes in their work life, and these changes are compounding the amounts of stress that people are dealing with right now. And that is where the American Institute of Stress come in. And today, we're very fortunate to be joined by Dr. Rosina Lacani. Dr. Rosina has been on a mission for over two decades to promote health and happiness. She's the number one best-selling author, a transformational speaker and psychiatrist, and Dr. Rosina has over 20 years experience helping people, thousands of people, to improve their stress and anxiety and depression. She's also the developer of the American Institute of Stress Certified Program in the Practice of Stress Management. That's titled Stress to Joy. And you can find that course, of course, at stress.org. She's a clinical professor at University of Washington and medical director of Resident 12 Women Drug Treatment Program. And she is a fellow of the American Institute of Stress and a diplomat of the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology. And, and you can learn more about her and, of course, read her great blogs at drrosina.com. That's D-R-R-O-Z-I-N-A.com. Dr. Rosina, thank you for joining us today. I hope everybody's doing well and, and, and where you are. Thank you so much for inviting. And thank you for our audience to listening all of us are healthy and happy at this time and trying our best to help our fellow doctors and nurses who are on front line and our patients who are trying to do their best in this stressful environment. And, and it is a big change for a lot of people. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's causing a lot of stress and a lot of us, a lot of people in the stress field are changing even the way they talk to people. Our world has changed so much lately, especially our jobs. I used to drive a half hour each way back and forth. I used to use that time. It allowed me to set my mind into a work. Now a lot of people are working where they live. So I guess my first question is, how do we mentally prepare for work when we are working from home? We're already at our work site. I share your sentiment because I have to do the same thing. 
all our patients we had to change to telehealth. Right. So, except the TMS patient where like other patients have to be seated on the machine. So that's when I go once a week. The rest of the time I'm seeing patients all from home and trying to train all the patients to be seen from home is another stressor as a provider we go through. But a lot of times you're so right. Going from home to work kind of created this boundary and a time to prepare your mind for change working. But when you are working at home, you're just kind of going from one room to the other or just in sitting in front of the computer. So I know that it is so important for our mental well-being to have those boundaries. One funny thing I have started doing is that when I am leaving for coming in front of the computer, I started doing all the routines that I usually used to do going to work. So now I go and say, goodbye, I'm going to work to my daughter. and to my <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you at lunchtime. So it's kind of creating a boundary for me. And then when I sit down into this work mode and at lunchtime, when I used to take lunch at, at my office, same time, I'm closing my computer and going for my lunch break, coming back again. And at the end of the day, I'm turning off the computer and going for a walk with the family. What I was noticing before I started doing these things, I was continuing to work in the evening because you don't have to go back to home. Therefore, you know, your hours get stretched. And so I was continuing to work or like, you know, in the middle, I'll remember something and I'll come back and starting to work. And I realized how it was affecting me and causing me stress. And therefore now I'm intentionally making an effort to have the start time, break time and stop time. And I think that kind of boundary can help all of us. That's a really good point. And you brought up something that I didn't even think of. Doctors like you not only have to change the way you're working, but you have to train your patients on how to do that as well. Uh, so it, that's, that's very interesting. I didn't even think about that, you know, because again, teachers are going through that too. They're, they're training their students on how to learn online. And you brought up a very good point. When we're working at home, there's a chance that your life becomes all about work. You go from one chair to the next chair for all intensive purposes, you're always at work. And that sounds like it could be very stressful. So I think what you said about routines, about making a routine that sort of separates our work from our home life, even though it's at the same place now, is very important. We'll talk about that a little bit more. One of the problems that people have asked me about, and I experience it too, is how to handle distractions. You know, you could be in the middle of of something or speaking to a patient like you said you say so long to your family I'm going to work now but how do you handle distractions since we've been talking my dog's been trying to get my attention three times <laughs> I'm sure she just wants a treat but how what are good some good tips on how to handle those distractions like you were saying as doctors we have additional layer of needs so like I also have to maintain patients privacy I don't want True. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like when you were, when you were talking about how to train our patients, I have to, it's kind of like, you know, funny trying to train these 70 year old um, patients of mine who are like so scared of technology and trying to help have them walk through doing things that technology wise and sort of trying to walk them through 
getting on the screen and talking in, on the video. But at the same time, I have to make sure that my boundary is there so their privacy is maintained and their boundary is also there so their privacy is maintained. So I usually ask them, is somebody around you? And are you comfortable talking? And so sometimes they have their kids, they would show. So like I had a patient the other day and she has like one three-year-old and one five-year-old. And they're like, You're, they want to come and sit, sit in mom's lap. Right. They don't really understand boundaries That's right. <laughs> at that age. Right. So. <laughs> so what we do is we just kind of make a little introduction and say, hi, this is doc- mom's doctor. And I would say, hi, how are you doing? How's your day going? Can we talk? Can I talk to your mom? Can we go play something? And so having them find their own distraction, but including and giving them the reason why they need to give the mom or dad some private time. The other thing is like, if if they're like partner home and both, both of partners are working from home and they have a young children, we are nowadays, because the schools are closed in a situation, we are having to have the forced childcare. <laughs> right. And so we need to kind of develop new routines in terms of either take turns. And so this is my time to work and you take care of the kids and this is your time to work and I take care of the kids. And so kind of taking turns like that may help explaining to the kids, even when they're younger, many times just explaining the reason really help. And then there would be some amount of distraction no matter what. So you need to also develop your internal tools to be able to, okay, if I get distracted, I come back over here and then I take smaller, smaller breaks. Like I use a timer, we call it tomato timer or Pomodoro method. Oh, you do. (laughs) So I do like 25 minutes. And so then I would take this five minutes break and take care of these immediate needs. So then the next half an hour gets a little more distraction free. Well, you know, I was a former teacher too, and, and we lived our life by a bell that went off. We were Pavlovian dogs. <laughs> the bell goes off, the kids leave, the bell goes on again, more kids come in, and, and that's how we lived our life. So it was a very distracting kind of environment anyway. What you said about a Two partners, both of them working from home is also very interested because a lot of people were not prepared for this. That's right. One of the things that I've seen happening, somebody mentioned this to me the other day, is that both partners have to share that workspace. And that, that brings in a whole other kind of problem. We're fortunate in my house that we both have individual offices, but not everybody was prepared for this and they probably don't have individual offices. And they're, I don't know if they're sharing a desk, but if you've ever done that, that's a nightmare. But, <laughs> but you know, these days, I guess people are forced to do that. It's, I guess it's our new normal for at least for a little while. And, yeah. and set, our setting of boundaries is if, if the office door is closed, don't knock. <laughs> because I'm probably on the air or speaking to someone uh, like you. But one funny thing that I noticed, like one of my staff, she has a couple of young kids and she has her mother take care of these little kids. But again, if mom is home, kids want to disturb. And, and there's no, like she doesn't have an office room in her home. Uh, she has a little utility room downstairs by the <laughs> by the back door. And so she has created that utility room into her office now. So she can close, it's kind of at the back of the house, 
by the by the laundry machines and stuff but she has kept her desk and her laptop and created that as her office space so that she gets least amount of disturbance and then when she has to talk something private she steps out of her home on the back porch and she talks from the back porch doing a podcast the other day with Jim Porter and he mentioned that somebody the biggest complaint they had to about changing their work environment was it didn't have a window yeah. <laughs> it was they were stuck in a room with no window and they would start in the morning they would lose sense of time and like you said you you have a timer and that helps you to know when it's lunch i found myself when i first started working from home forgetting about things like that and all of a sudden not feeling healthy feeling shaky feeling anxiety and i i realized okay it's two o'clock and I haven't even stopped to eat. And so that's a lot of things. For many people, the work structure, that daily routine that they once felt to be stifling, like I did, I said, that bell going off, and that's how I lived my life, now feel like it was scaffolding on which they built their lives. And that scaffolding have, has been pulled out from under them, and now structure is self-imposed. How do they build that structure? Never haven't done that before. Well, we all are learning. <laughs> I, how true. Necessity is the father of innovation. So we are innovating. <laughs> I, it sure is. Uh, you, you mentioned one issue of forgetting to eat. Many of the people are facing the opposite of it, opposite of that, kind of going between the refrigerator and the kitchen counter, back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> Well, yeah, one of the bad things of working at home is everything, your refrigerator is yours. <laughs> yeah, so it's hard, uh, but I think that's where the intention comes in. Sorry. <laughs> and so when you set your intention, like I have a practice myself and I teach that practice to everybody, is to have a morning journaling routine. So I start my day with my gratitude journal. I say three things that I'm grateful for. And then I do my priorities for the day. And so once you have kind of set the priorities and set the boundaries, this, these are the things you want to do and these are the things you are going to do. And then become aware of all the obstacles that you may face and coming up with thoughts, what, how you're going to handle those obstacles. So like I was saying, the way I'm setting up the boundaries now was not that that's not how I was doing it from very beginning, I got into trouble myself and I recognized that this is happening and what I can do. And so I started setting up the boundary. And so you mentioned the boundary of time. There's a boundary of space. Like you said, the closing of the door. If you don't have the door, finding that spot where you could have that privacy. And so there is, there's also boundary of getting dressed or like you wear different clothes when you go to work. You wear different clothes when you go to sleep. You go wear different clothes when you go for a gym or a party. So when you are going to work, whether it is at home or outside home, dressing up also helps you get into that mindset. So I have, I have, as I said, like initially I was not keeping those routines and I was feeling that things were not get going right. So since then I got back into my routine. So I, I wake up, I do my journal, then I do my treadmill for 30 minutes. I go shower, change, dress up, do the breakfast, say goodbye to my family and come to work. 
<laughs> and at the end of the day, again, I close the computer, I change, go for a walk, come. And so that kind of determines the beginning and end. But also, as I said, like dressing up is one of the ways you can create the boundaries in addition to space and time boundaries. And do you think doing that, having that routine and have, putting yourself on a schedule or inventing whatever schedule you need to invent for yourself alleviates some of that stress from working at home? Yes. Human beings are beings of routine. So we like routines. Okay. We are creatures of structure. So when there is structure, we do much better. We are more productive. We are more focused. We are less stressed. And so that having that routine helps. Plus intention helps. And I think that is very important component that sometimes we, we forget and we kind of start flowing with the flow of whatever is happening in life. But there's a lot of option for us to make intentional choice of doing things this way or that way. It's a mindset. Sure. Absolutely. It's how you, and we all know that stress sometimes has a lot to do with perception. If you embrace working from home as, okay, this is an, an opportunity for me to learn new technologies, not like, oh my God, I got to learn how to do this and, and embrace it. It might alleviate that stress too, because your perception and your mindset changes. Another so, uh, one of my one of my nieces called this dual transaction. A what transaction? A dual transaction. Dual transaction. <laughs> you know, in my she read my book, The Stress to Joy, and one of the concepts I talk about in the, in the book is called emotional coping account. Yeah. So, like we have a bank account, everybody has a bank account, right? So we we put some deposits and we we have some withdrawals. So if the if the withdrawals are more than the deposits, what happens? You're, you're, yeah, you're at a negative and that's not good. <laughs> that's right, that's right. And so if the withdrawals are high, you know, the stressors are high, you cannot control what is happening with COVID-19 right now. You cannot control how many people are getting infected or how many people are dying from it. It's very stressful. It is not in your control. But then there are certain things that are in your control. You know, you can try to do the social distancing and working from home and washing your hands or you know, taking care of yourself stop smoking <laughs> the, the things that you can do to help yourself those are the things that are in your control so these are called deposits like simple things like doing your exercise or eating well or taking the mindful breaks going for the walk and so those are the things that are called deposits in your emotional coping account so stressors are withdrawals self-care and things that makes you feel good are deposits in your coping account. So when my niece read that book, she was talking about when we were asking, talking about school and she said, uh, my school is a dual transaction. I said, what? And she said, it's a deposit because it's an opportunity. I enjoy meeting with my friends. I enjoy learning, but it's also a withdrawal. It's a lot, a lot of stress to go to school. So I said, yeah, that's, that's uh, like, you know, there are many things that are like that. So working from home is dual transaction. It is less stressful. Now you're saving time of commute. You're not getting stuck in traffic. You are, you, you can be more productive because you're focused and you're not getting distracted work environment. But then there are also the, the withdrawal because then there are other kinds of distraction and all these needs for routine and so learning new technologies. So these are kind of withdrawals. But at the same, so these are 
dual transaction and we need to focus on how we can get the best out of it and minimize the negative aspect of it. At the end of the day, like all our bank accounts, we want to have it in the, in the black, not in the red. <laughs> we right. want it be, to be doing well. You mentioned the social distancing. And I was wondering if the lack of personal interaction, in other words, we're doing everything online, can feel less personal than a face-to-face encounter and a conversation. Do you think that lack of connection with our coworkers and our self-imposed or sometimes it's not self-imposed, it's a government-imposed isolation can add to that stress? And sometimes when we were at work, that interaction with that other worker was stressful. Now that lack of interaction with that same worker can feel just as stressful. How do we handle that lack of person face-to-face interaction at that social isolation? Yeah, in that way, there is no exact solution for human connection. When I shake hands with the patient, I know that touch, that, that interaction cannot have online. But on the other hand, we can also improve our communication by doing more video connection. So, Communication has three aspects to it. There are words, there are tones, and then there are visual cues. So we communicate many different ways. And so when we are just doing communication by email or text, it becomes less personal personal than compared to talking on phone. And then that is less personal than seeing each other through video. And yes. that is a le- less personal than having the direct one-to-one contact or being with a group of people. And this is also going to pass. This is not going to be permanent. We are going through a temporary situation, but we need to do that because this is the need of the time. Right. So having that, okay, this is for a short period of time. How can we mitigate the loneliness by using the best options we have and uh, getting through this phase. And then once the once we are out of this crisis, then we can start socializing again. I couldn't agree more. I think it's just a temporary situation. And I think people have to remember that. One of the things that's causing so much stress is the fact that people are glued to news about it all day long. And, and it's a lot of times it's conflicting news. So that's, that's stressful in itself. You, you right. spoke that's a little what bit. I tell my patients, um, so like uh, one of my patients was saying that you have to listen to the news all day because anything can happen anytime. And I said, no, you don't have to listen to the news all day. No. <laughs> listen to the news 15 minutes, half an hour in the morning and 15 minutes or half an hour at, the, at, at night. And that half an hour to one hour of news is more than enough because oh. most of the time the news keeps repeating. Yes. So And then you feel like, you know, all your life is full with just that negative news. But there is a lot more to life than just news. It is important to be informed. It's important to get educated. It's important to take steps to protect yourself and protect your loved ones. But at the same time, you also have to keep living and finding alternatives, alternate ways of living the best life possible within the circumstances. And you're right. It's just circumstantial. Like you said. It's going to end sooner or later. You spoke for a moment about mindfulness breaks. Could you, could you talk a little bit about that? What, what that means and what are best practices for that? 
mindfulness word has been used a lot nowadays in media. Everybody is talking about it. There's a lot of mindfulness apps. And so basically the word mindfulness means being aware moment by moment, intentionally and non-judgmentally. So that's kind of definition of mindfulness. What I find is a lot of people that they feel that being mindfulness means just sitting down and meditating for half an hour, an hour, or enjoying whatever is happening. And so there's kind of confusing messages in available at this time. So I want to clarify that there is a map of mindfulness. And the map represents three components of mindfulness, meditation, attitude, and practice. So a lot of times, you know, one of my friends, she said, oh, I, I'm being mindful and I'm getting so angry. And I said, well, why is mindfulness making you angry? And she said, I am noticing everything and I'm noticing so many wrongs happening around us. And I am noticing <laughs> everything that is wrong at my home and in my life. And so it's making me angry. And I said, like, mindfulness doesn't mean just noticing and keeping your negative attitude. Right. There's a the whole set of attitudes that go with mindfulness because it's non-judgmental. So you have to observe things without passing judgment. Plus you have to staying in the moment. So I use this example. Let's say there's a beautiful sunset. You see a beautiful sunset and you notice it. And then in scenario one, you notice it and you are able, and then it kind of gives you the thought, Oh, this is so beautiful, the sunset. Oh, I remember last year when I was on vacation, there was such a beautiful sunset and this happened and that happened. And, and so your mind kind of gets distracted and now you are in past. You are you're not enjoying the sunset right now. And then your mind drifted. And by the time the mind comes back, the sun is gone. So your sunset <laughs> is gone. <laughs> uh, and scenario two, you are watching the sunset. You have You may have this thought, oh, this is beautiful sunset and it is kind of like the sunset I saw last year. But let me stay with this sunset and you just observe it and look at it and experience the beauty and the peace and calm that you feel and then watch it setting. And it's okay that sunsets, but when you stay in that moment, you can actually enjoy that life fully. That's that's so true. So that is the mindfulness in terms of practice. Then there is a component of mindfulness that is meditation. When, you know, five minutes, sometimes I suggest to my patients, five minutes, three times a day, try to sit quietly with your eyes closed, focus on your breath, or just do the all is well meditation. I started a 16 second meditation where you put, why don't we do it together? Bill, put your hand on your chest. (laughs) Okay. Breathe in for, uh, we'll breathe in for four seconds. We'll hold it for four seconds. We'll breathe out for four seconds. And then we'll take a gap for four seconds. So when you breathe in, you say all. When you hold, you say is. And when you're breathing out, say well. So breathe in. All is is well. But it does feel good. (laughs) 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 It does feel good. I like that. Come, come. All <laughs> is well. Yeah. You know what? I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be doing that today. <laughs> Probably for the rest of it. Because <laughs> that really does feel good. I hope our listeners followed along with us. 
because it really did feel good. Yeah. It reminds me. Attitude of like acceptance, which I earlier talked about. Right. Now it reminds me a little bit about, you know, kids used to ask me all the time about that. I said, you got to live your life like a dog. What? <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> what does that mean? I said, well, if I yell at my dog, he gets, he, he might get his feelings hurt. Truthfully, <laughs> she does. And in two seconds later, she's past that. She's living in the moment. Not worried about 10 minutes ago that I, I yelled at her for, I don't know, whatever she was doing, chewing on a shoe or something. But it, it, it reminds me a little bit about that, of living in that moment and enjoying that moment, taking the time for that sunset. I, I do that a lot. But I hate to say that, but we live in different parts of the country. And here in, in Florida, we kind of learn to deal with these things every hurricane season. Because we have a hurricane bearing down on us and we sort of prepare for it. and We live in the moment and not worry too much about that hurricane hitting us because it may never do that. And you could lose days, maybe even a week of worrying about something that is never going to happen. So living in that moment is, and taking those mindfulness breaks, especially the way you just said it, really is going to be beneficial everybody is feeling that stress of working at home so like let me just kind of share one thought that came to my sure. mind about when you talked about worrying about hurricane so see when the hurricanes come it is important that you are aware of it that you take steps that are within your control and then you stop worrying about it for the rest of the time so if you have 24 hours in a day you don't have to worry about it for 24 hours. You become aware that that is an issue. Find what you can do. Take the steps that are needed. That may take an hour, two hours of your day to take steps of like taking the precautions or moving to a safer place or whatever needs Putting to up shutters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so whatever needs to happen, you take steps to take to do those things. But then there is no reason to punish yourself by continuing to worry for the like other 22 hours of the day. Right. Very, very good point. So we're coming to the end of our time. I, is there any couple of tips or anything that you want to say lastly about the stress of working from home and anything that's the people out there can really take with them. That meditation technique was absolutely great. I, I really do think that was great. Is there anything else that people can do to alleviate some of the stress of working at home? Sure. I usually use this basic mental CPR formula. Okay? It's kind of in detail in my book and course on stress to joy that you mentioned earlier. A brief synopsis of it is that like a body when it is in in crisis or it's dying we give the physical cpr right it's cardiopulmonary resuscitation but when our mind is at brink of having a mental breakdown <laughs> and these small small stressors kind of bring us to the brink of that we need to do this mental cpr and we don't have to wait till that point comes. We can continue to do it on a regular basis so we don't reach that point of mental breakdown. And so the, the condensed formula for CPR is C for calm down. So we just talked about calming down with mindfulness and awareness. 
The P stands for processing. So thinking through what is within your control and what is outside your control, focusing on things that are in your control. And the R is with response, responding with the choice. See, like you said, that it all depends on attitude. You can say, oh my God, now I have to work from home versus, oh great, I have an opportunity to work from home. So that that response of making it a choice as if you it's your choice. It's it is an it is a outside condition, yes. It is being imposed on you for because of for whatever reason. Now it is your choice to either accept and make it your choice how you're going to handle it, or just keep in the mindset of being the victim of that being imposed on you. So when you practice this mental CPR calm down, process, and respond with the choice, then you can handle any of the stressors or any of the challenges that come in your life. If you don't do that, you know, this stress, the small, small stress keeps on building up. Then it results into you becoming more irritable with the family. Mm-hmm. You start focus, you know, you start destroying the very thing you are trying to save. Your body, your mind, your peace, your happiness, all those things start getting affected if you don't address it in time. But if you do, then you can change these stressors in, from cause of suffering to opportunities for growth. Wow, great point. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for joining us today. A lot of the things you said, I know our listeners are going to use to alleviate some of that stress. So again, I really want to thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you today, as it always is. I also enjoy talking with you, and I hope it helps all of our listeners stay happy and healthy in these stressful times, and we come out more resilient and more stronger. Thank you. It was great information today. And again, anyone that would like to learn more about Dr. Rosina, please visit her website at drrosina.com. And take her course. And to do that, it's available through the American Institute of Stress. All you have to do is visit us at stress.org and look for Stress to Joy. And a lot of the things we talked about today are in that online course, Stress to Joy. This has been Will Heckman. I want to thank everybody for joining us today and remind you again to follow us and review us. And remember to help. Remember your support helps us to keep making these podcasts. And I want to remind everybody that just as stress is different for all of us, for each of us, there is no one stress reduction or management strategy that is right for everyone. Please join us next time as we explore more stress management strategies and insights. Remember again to visit us at stress.org and gather some information, some tools and techniques to live a healthier, happier and longer life. I hope the information you heard today will help you find contentment. Good day, everybody.